Jared Moss, we got you back. Yeah, it's been a minute. How 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 are you, buddy? I haven't talked to you for a while. It's been a, I, a long while. I've been avoiding the office as much as possible, but it's not working out for me. Um, no, everything's been going good. We um, we uh, lost Shannon today. Oh, our, crap. Uh, our podcast editor. So who knows what this podcast is going to sound like? Uh, Shannon, we're going to miss you. Yeah, no, she's been really helpful. Uh, I just got done walking her out. The, but yeah, it's been a little, little weird. Last couple, you know, last two weeks she gave us her notice, and she's got to move it on to a different job, which is good. I mean, I, it's one of them deals where you're happy, you you're sad to watch them go, but at the same time, sometimes it's the right decision for them and. And she did us right. I mean, she she helped get all the transition and get everything moved. And you know, she's a really she's a really good employee. Sometimes, so you lose some, and some employees don't leave fast enough. <laughs> Jason, hey, <laughs> we can punch that time. I don't want to do that yet. <laughs> as long as we can grow, fix that, you know, it seems like the good ones grow, and then they sometimes outgrow you. You know, and then that's yeah, that's not yeah. a bad thing. It's uh, it's probably the the toughest part about the business for me is you have this boundary of employees. Let me turn that down. Um, and you know, I mean, shoot, if you could pay big bucks to everybody, it'd be awesome. But right. you know, it's not, I don't know. Young kids have more, more pressing things to do sometimes than, than package orders for, for us. And, at the same time, you got really good people, and so it, it's always a balancing act. But no doubt, um, no doubt. What have you been up to? Um, last time, since you and I talked, I hunted all winter, and then <laughs> I just hunted all just winter. And then uh, I don't know. Just Chase, rub Chase it in for spring. me. <laughs> I appreciate you rubbing that Chase in for me, Jared. Thank you. I have to, man, because. That was like, it doesn't happen like that every winter, right? It just happened that this this last winter was uh, the stars aligned and I was able to hunt almost every day. Yeah. So, and that was really cool. Now it's warming up right and we just got done with spring bear and we got a ton of bird dog stuff rolling. So we're just training, trying to beat the heat. We took Sadie out. I don't know when last time I talked to you. So we hunted a little bit of deer season with her. Yeah on um just like a day just messing around that she didn't know what she's doing but we, we go. so we took her to uh Maupin. there's a it's like it's a sage sage canyon outfitters basically they you buy birds and plant sure. them you know what i mean it's not it's not um yeah you, you know what i mean like yeah. you, it, at some point you get the exposure and it's like man you can't you can't get good exposure like that hunting um but man i tell you what that first you know it's like 20 bucks a piece or 25 bucks a piece or whatever it is yeah. i don't i don't i was trying not to pay attention too much but you 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 got to tell the guys how many birds you want to buy and then they go plant sure. them up ahead of you mm-hmm. and uh boy sadie just thought that was a game it was like a video game to her it was like she was like she ran through the course yeah found them all and comes back with her tongue hanging like dad i got them all thank you I was like, oh, whoa, whoa, this is not the plan. <laughs> is to just go kick the birds out Can of the bushes. You, right. Do you work with her at home um, at all? Like with regular pigeons or anything? No. I I did very little. Like uh you know, he had a, a frozen a couple frozen uh 
was it chuckers or whatever i was quail you know so i had a couple of quail that i'd throw play with her as a, as a really young pup um but but no like for the most part i really um haven't like it and again for me the it isn't like i'm trying to make a perfect bird dog um so I'm, I'm really relying on the natural ability. You know what I mean? She's with me. She's actually with me today. She's probably sleeping outside trying to go look for birds right now. Every time she like slips out, either the UPS driver, cause they have little <laughs> treats. So she'll hop in the UPS truck over here. Well, they couldn't and do she's like, community. Every place they stopped, they'd have to have like five treats. There's too many dogs in the right. country, man. Yeah. We got, we got the UPS driver I and mean, they come in looking for, she's at Sadie's like a little, She's more popular than I am over here. Everybody comes over. Where's Sadie? Where's Sadie? That's so awesome. I I take her to work with me quite a bit. Um, and then, uh, but no, we went we went to that Sage Canyon Outfitters, and we spent we just hauled the camper over there and stayed for a, a couple of days hunting. Cool. On our spring break, um, because we couldn't get up where we wanted to camp in the woods, and it was fun. I mean, it was like watching her. The first ten birds or whatever we planted. I think we ended up shooting two of them and it was only because I was pretty good on the gun. <laughs> you know what I mean? It was, yeah. it was not the dog. It was right. like the bird flew in a, in a manner that I could safely just lead it and shoot it and hit it. And I was right. like, I, you probably, you know, a, a bird dog would be like, let it go. But me, I was like, $25, 25, <laughs> son of a bitch. We're going to eat some birds tonight. You know what I, mean? like, I don't care. <laughs> so well, whoever listens to this podcast, this is exactly how you don't do it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I mean, do not just let those $25 birds fly. But for me, I was like, dude, I can't afford to just keep flying birds for this dog. So we killed maybe two birds out of the first 10. Yeah. By the end of the trip, I think we were killing six or seven birds because she would just lock on it. And she was cool. just, you could just tell. And um, again, I didn't have the basics down. I was just solely like rolling at the <laughs> just like that. Well, we're going to roll the dice here. Right. And really just had to, it, it was a lot harder probably than it should have been just because I had to watch her body language and I could tell when she started getting on it and I would start really just low stemming her to slow her down a little bit. Mm. And so I was feathering the clutch with her instinct to like, not, you know, not piss me off <laughs> and her instinct to keep going for the birds. And so it was fun, but um, I could tell you, I was, I'm not a bird dog trainer. I can tell you that right now, man. So if, if the dog didn't have a strong instinct for birds, um, I wouldn't be able to do what, what we did. Yeah. I wish I remembered the guys. I remember one of our first. Oh, go ahead, Jared. One of my, one of my favorite Pat podcasts is one of our first ones. And Buddy said, mm -hmm. so what do you think I should do with Sadie? And he asked a couple of questions. <laughs> And I answered him, and he's like, "Yeah, I'm not going to do that." I remember that. Yeah, I know exactly what's going to happen. Buddy's just going to feather the clutch and give her the onion. Sometimes it cost me a little. I paid the price, Jared. I mean, that dinner, that first dinner was. I mean, what is it? Twenty five times first, ten birds, like two hundred, two hundred fifty. It was like four hundred dollars. It's the best kind. <laughs> exactly. It was like oh, that bird. That bird cost me a lot. If I would have just played with the wing and a stick, I probably could have come away a lot, a lot out the beginning. Had, but it was fun. Done, the kids had fun, and I, I don't regret yeah. it. Yeah. Have you done any? Gun? I'm, not, I'm not going to put the time in it. Have you done much gun? gun work with her before that? 
Like, has she been around guns I, before that? Because that's where most people have the issue is the young dogs start, you know, trying to chase a flush or something. And the, the gun comes in there and they're just like, whoa. So I talked to, um, I talked, I was actually talking to Steve Snell and I was like, hey, what? Yep. So I ended up buying four birds last cat season, like the season. She was really young, yeah. you know, so she must have been four months, five months old. And I bought four. I don't know which birds they were. Chuckers, Chuckers. probably. Um, I was over there in Moff, and I was actually cat hunting at the time. But um, John's boy works at that bird refuge. Like, hey man, can I get some birds? So I went over there. I got four birds, brought them home for Sadie, and um, I set those birds up, put them, put her on them, and then I had the gun. You know, I think it was a twenty-two or whatever, and I had her up about thirty yards. And as soon as the bird flushed, so she hit. You know, she was just. I had him shoot the gun. You know what I mean? And it was 30 yards behind it. She didn't even flinch. Gotcha. And then I did it again. Uh, oh, it was a 410. That's what I was shooting. Um, and uh, didn't even try and shoot the bird that time. Right. I just wanted to see what right. she did. And and I wanted when I shot and I had another bird because he said, well, if she does even flinch, throw the second bird, you know what right. I mean? In front of her. And uh, she didn't flinch. She was like on that bird, like stink on, on white on rice. Right. And so then I came closer and then, and those four birds, um, the last one we actually shot, she pointed, or I don't say point, but, you know, she started to, to lock in a little bit. You know, she was getting, and when it when she jumped it, I shot it, and she she retrieved it. And and so that that was the only gun work I did, and it was mostly a test. Right. And, and I was just seeing her bird drive clearly outperformed the loud noise drive yeah, you know yeah, so i was like okay inform. so i didn't yeah, mess with she it. didn't respond at all so that's a good that's good so yeah so i did at least do that part because i've had gun shy dogs and it sucks having it a gun shy dog a hound or whatever it's it is hard. so that was the one thing i was like i so yeah you're, you're right i i in the beginning i was like that's one issue that if if if, if a guy was to don't follow my footsteps number one don't <laughs> just listen to jared it's a lot easier it's better trust me when, when it comes <laughs> on about the on about the sixth bird i'm like damn i should have listened to somebody when, you know, it's yeah. free consulting it's cheaper <laughs> you got podcasts man <laughs> you did awesome mm. though, if you had a good time and you had a fun experience and by the time you i don't know all of those things i was just waiting for the but then this happened and if you didn't have any bots man you're good you're, <laughs> you made it through that first time you're awesome i tell all my clients yeah. that that those first three hunts are not about you at all. It's all about, and you, mm -hmm. and you mentioned this about learning how to read the dog and watch the dog and how she's making scent when she's locking up on point, being able to use a low stem, you know, you, you're, you're watching her and reading her and being able to respond to what she's doing. That's what those first yeah. couple hunts are about. You don't kill a ton, but it, it doesn't. And I did start making a system that I would out there, I was really clear that I was like, if, if she busted the bird, cause I mean, she wanted to chase him. Like she had no concept that we, I was the shooter. You know what I mean? She was like, get him. <laughs> and so if she busted the bird and started taking off on it, when I called her back, I, I, I nicked her, you know I mean? I want to say I fried her, but she had stimulation coming back. <laughs> there was parts of the situation where she did good and I missed the bird or, you know, the kids missed the yeah. bird or, you know what I mean? We didn't do our part. And, and, uh, I, I did tone, I gave her no stem on the recall. You know what I mean? I was like, 
my bad. <laughs> you know what I mean? That that should have that bird should have fell down out there. Yeah. So I, whether it was me being, you know, um, feeling bad for not shooting very good or whatever it was, um, you know, there was two. There was two distinct recalls. One was I screwed up. And one was <laughs> dog screwed up. Um, and I'm just glad she didn't have a collar on me <laughs> because yeah. I would. I would have been a little bit in, in trouble if she had been able to, to stem me. What did the kids think about it? I'll bet. Oh, they had a blast. It was, it was, um, I mean, my wife's like, maybe we should just get rid of hounds and go bird dogs. I'm like, no, I really enjoy bird or hounds. I, mean, I really enjoy the woods. I enjoy the timber. I enjoy the mountains. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not going to be a bird dog guy. It's different. Um, but. Damn, it is fun. I, I, it is a fun thing to do, and I will probably at least go on a couple bird hunts a year. I mean, I, I think I more than I thought I would. You know what I mean? It's a great way to get kids introduced because you can go to those pay to plays, and if you've only got two or three hours, you know, you can go have a good time, shut it down, and go get a burger. I, I've got to yeah. do more of that because some of the death marches I've taken my kids on in the last year, they're like hey do you want to go hunt bears and they're uh -uh. like nope <laughs> burn out so we <laughs> yeah. gotta go back and do some bird dogs because we're burning them out so it's a good it's a yeah. great way to introduce kids and it's fun it can be found and fast and furious and then over you know yep and and you know getting them set up that and it's challenging you know especially with a young dog when you got two kids and you know you're, you're hot gunning it so what this it's like this kid's gonna shoot then and for me, I'm okay. I mean, I, I've been shooting shotguns for whatever, so I'm pretty handy on a shotgun. You know what I mean? Like I, I, I used to just shoot skeet and trap and all that kind of stuff. That was my my sport in high school that I always did. Right. But then you get kids, you know, and it's not like setting up on a deer where, where, where you are sitting there for 15 minutes, you know, trying to get a shot or whatever. I mean, you're like you got this dog that's ready to jump. You got this thing going here. The bird's <laughs> running. You know what I mean? Like you're watching the bird run off and run through. And it's like, you know, at times you're, it was just, oh shit, man. It was like how far them damn birds would run. I'm like, say you're not even on the bird no more. That bird, I watched the bird run across the field. You stupid. <laughs> oh, that's funny. But like those little things I had no, it was like, wow. And watching those birds just run right. in front of the dog was, it was cool. It was fun. But, you know, then you got two kids and you're getting mad at the kids. Like, come on, we got to go. We got to go. I mean, like, $25 is running that way. We got to get that How bill. Dollar. A dollar bill or whatever. <laughs> yeah. So I, I had fun. I mean, it was, it was totally a blast. And I think September, I'm going to go back over there. I was telling Yuri, um, we just did a podcast that'll come out. By the time you listen to this podcast, it's already been out. But Yuri, he got a little bird dog, and I was telling him, I said, well, let's go over there and go play with the bird dogs. Yeah, so. they're fun. But anyways, that's what we were going to do a podcast on. We are going to do a – you had a you had a topic you want to talk about. Yeah, we actually had a question come in, and it was from a gentleman that had a small uh, young hound about four months old, and he was working on recall. Okay. And he was – He's been listening to some of our other podcasts, so he's been trying to follow along a little bit. And he's not like Buddy. <laughs> <laughs> he listens to, to it once. Yeah, 
He said that she was listening pretty good until about the last couple of weeks. And then she's right. kind of like blowing off his recall. And he wanted to know when he should introduce the e-caller and how to, and how to introduce it. And how old's the pup? The pup's four months old. Um, so my, a couple of things that you can use as a measuring stick for me, I always try to use kibble and feeding time as a recall to help teach them to come to you. But that when that day mm-hmm. comes, and and this was Cole, and with Cole's pup, when Cole gives the pup a recall command, and that day that the little pup flips you the bird and turns the other way and runs away, that's when you know you need to start transitioning from like the trick or treat training to some foundation training. Get the check cord out, get the e collar out, start introducing the e collar. So I guess we could talk about that. The, the the two things that I wanted to bring up for Cole was until they until they kind of blow you off, you're just having fun, right? Keep it fun, keep it light. When they start blowing you yeah. off, that's when you want to start utilizing the tools. Before they blow you off, though, get them used to a, a long line or some type of paracord or a leash or something so that you can use that tool to help reinforce recall. Yeah. Yeah, and I'd be curious, like I said, four months – um, yeah, I guess he's probably worried about putting the e-collar on, but in my opinion, just because you put an e-collar on doesn't mean you need to mash the button. Sure. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Like I would be like, Hey, I want my dogs wearing an e-collar before I need the e-collar. Sure. Um, you know, like, that would be one thing that I would think about if he's thinking about it. I'm like, well, if you're thinking about it, A putting it on would have been good. But don't, <laughs> Well, just don't push the button. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, uh, you don't have to turn it on. Just put the unit on for four or five days and let them wear it around. Get used to it. Yeah. So, my method is yeah. this we have the leather training collar that we use. Um, we put a 20 foot or a 10 foot check cord on there. The leather training collar has a little studs on it. So, they start feeling that tickle on their neck. And then, when I add the e collar later, the stimulus from the e collar, they've already had about 20 or 30,000 tugs from that little leather training collar and they're not associating a negative with that stimulation or that tug on their neck. So it's just a part of their daily routine. It's like putting your boots on and putting your gloves on. They're going to, they're going to get used to that leather collar. We start teaching recall. We just bend over a little bit, tug on the rope, give the verbal cue. And then if they don't respond, then then we just use the rope to reel them in. Once they get to us, we praise them up. If they're young like this or four months old, we start praising them up. Later on, we'll delay that gratification a few seconds. So they they start yeah. separating. Oh, when I come to him and I wait a second, that's when I get the reward for doing the work, not just instantly come to me and then bounce back out. That's a whole other conversation. Yeah. But we use that leather collar or the or the long line and we you start making them come in. And then we'll start laying, layering the e-collar with that. So maybe six, five, six, eight good sessions of long line work. And you've had the e-collar on, but you're not stimulating the e-collar. And then after you get the pretty good recall with the rope, use the rope tug and the e-collar in conjunction, do them together. And that pretty much typically eliminates any spookiness from the e-collar. Yeah. Yeah. Being a hound is a blue tick, right? Yeah. I mean, are you doing that on, on the hounds too? I do when they're that young. I do. Yeah, four four months. months. Yep. Yep. Yeah. And then, and then as I 
So there's a couple steps there. E the 20 foot cords in my hand and the e-collars with me. We just do what we just said. And then I start dropping the rope and letting them drag the rope with the e-collar still on. And when he's out there 50 feet, if I tickle the e-collar, he feels like it's pretty much the same thing as me tugging on the rope, right? The, the oh, big no. issue that most people have is they just go out and mash the button without doing any groundwork. And the dog gets spooked. And when he gets spooked, you could have multiple reactions. He could run for the truck. He could run between your legs. He could just run for the heels, you know? So yeah. by doing a little bit of groundwork with a long line, that gives me something to fall back to. That's right. always, for me as a trainer professional, I've always got to have somewhere to fall back. Because on your pheasant thing, if, if something would have went south with a gun or would have went south with her retrieving birds or something, you would have had nowhere to fall back to. Yeah. Except she would have come to me. I, well, I had, yeah, but I'm but well, I, really yeah, strong. But, but if, let's say, let's say that one of the birds got up low and one of your kids shot oh. early and, and hit her or spooked the crap out of her. And now she's yeah. going, oh, I don't want to, I don't want to chase those things. Cause <laughs> my ass shot. Get whacked. like that hurts. Yeah. You know, I mean, yeah. there's just nowhere yeah. to fall back to. So I'm always trying no, to make sense, trying to have levels. And, and, and we've talked about that throughout the method that we've talked about, but I think oh, for yeah, Cole, absolutely. I think if you're cautious, if you're apprehensive about using the e-collar, putting the ground foundation or the foundation work with the long line, and then add an e-collar, if you mess up the e-collar, you can back up to the check cord, regain confidence, and then go forward. And I would probably venture to say he's um, at four months. If you're starting to get worried about that, a, a, I know somebody will sell you a Garmin tracking collar or you know, a tracking oh, collar yeah. because you're probably anxious enough about the fact of where it is and that you're going to lose it. And so putting a, a tracking collar on it that has stem, again, not, not shocking it, but that's going to take a lot of anxiety out of the person too. You know what I mean? As, as far as you're, it's getting to that age where they don't come back or they don't listen or whatever, and that can be dangerous. And just putting a tracking collar on it is going to at least take away some of your, his anxiety, I would imagine. Almost all of my clients now, I'm referring to them at least a Pro 550 Plus with a TT15. Mm -hmm. For that yeah. exact reason, because they're all coming to me saying, well, I'm, why would I not? Why would I not have the tracking ability? Right. And, yeah. and, I'm, and I'm with them, you know, especially if it's one of your first dogs or your second dog or something. And you don't know what you don't know. Might You might make a mistake, but you're like, oh, he's only 600 yards over there. I can go find him. It, sure. That takes away the unknown. That makes life really. Yeah. So. Those little Alpha 10 units yeah. for the bird dog guys or the 550 plus or those with a TT15, that's a great combo. I don't know why you wouldn't. Yeah. If you're not, you're really anxious about, and I have times with my, my like Sadie, you know, she's kind of, she's my lap dog or whatever. You know what I mean? She just rolls with me to work or whatever. We take her to the park and I work with her enough that, I can go without a collar on her and she responds to my voice. But even then I know I'm always going back to having a collar on her. So almost every time I can think about it, she's always got a collar on her and I'm just consistent about not letting her get away with anything. Um, because that collar takes a ton of anxiety out of me, out of my wife, out of whatever, when you can't see her, you're like, yeah, no worries. I mean, it's, the end of the world is not going to happen, but as soon as, 
Um, and I, I'm kind of in the opinion that if she's not listening and she doesn't have a caller, I'm not going to sit there and freak out about it. I'm going to, especially if she's got, I love it when she's got a caller on, but I'm going to chill out and I'm going to put her in a situation where I can catch her. You know, because I hate it when somebody's like, come here, come here, come here, come here, come here, come on. You know what I mean? Ask Try and talk him. to the dog. And and I'm like, uh, at some point, you know, you need to like teach your dog that when you say come here the first time or the second time, that means go there. Right. And I hate people that chase around dogs and, you know, end up screaming at them all day. And, and then they don't do anything when they get it. They just go straight to put them on a leash and go, okay. And they walk yeah. off like nothing ever happened. And I'm like, man, they're that consistency um, I think is really important. And a caller is part of my consistency. Well, I think one thing too, there is we could, if you have a dog, one, one thought that came to my mind is if you have a young dog that you've done the check cord work with and you're, and you're stimulating them and they're still kind of got that confused look on your head, you can put mm-hmm. the stim on really low, keep it on continuous as you roll, reel them in on the cord and then once they're to you, the stimulus comes off. And a lot of the dogs, that's probably the next step that I've worked with in a lot of dogs is you they get out there to 200 yards, they're still dragging the rope, but they know they're away from you far enough that you can't you can't catch them. And, you and if, them. You, if you give them a stim and they look at you like, nah, I'm not, I don't think I want to. I'm going to go check out this other rabbit hole over here. Right. You're able to hold down the button a couple of times for three to five seconds until they start advancing towards you and then once they make that yeah. movement towards you you release release the stimulation and most dogs will be like oh cool good to go and they'll they'll, they'll finish the recall if they don't then you just go yeah. right back to the stim and you don't have to really say another voice command yeah and they just learn and yeah it seems like four like or five of those continuous stims for three to ten seconds and all of a sudden the dogs go well if i don't come on the first nick I know what's next. It's he's going to hold down the stimulus again. That's on a really low level for a puppy. You could yeah. transition that with a tone too. Instead of hitting stimulus, yeah. you could just tone train them. Hit the tone, reel them in on the cord. Hit the tone, reel them in on the cord. Hit the tone, reel them in on the cord. All of a sudden, they're pretty pretty quick to go. Hey man, on that tone, I got to come in. And dogs learn like they don't they treat me differently than they do <laughs> my kids for sure. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? I think, you know, my, my daughter, my kids or whatever, they, they and probably just cause they know that, okay, whatever, whatever dad he says, it. He, he's kind of an asshole. <laughs> he, he, he don't let me get away with much, but you know, like, you know, my daughter's so sweet. She'd be like, Sadie May, Sadie May, you know, and Sadie just all over there. But if I can hold that button, a lot of times I'll make that dog listen to her too. Correct. You know I mean, but and I tried to explain to her, I was like, you have to be consistent. Like the biggest thing about these things sometimes is just being consistent. And it's not like, oh, this one time I'm gonna put a collar on, the next time you're not. You know what I mean? Like you have to be consistent enough that if you forget the collar, the dog doesn't know that. <laughs> you know what I mean? The dog kind of forgets. It's like, oh, he he still thinks he can get you know, stemmed, but who knows? It's interesting. Um, yeah, we should, we should get you on with Yuri sometime. He does. Uh, we just did one yesterday. He came in here and was talking about, you know, the basics and, and kind of having that a foundation, you know, not being solid. all the time. Yeah. Jason, you've been quiet. Don't you just been talking? 
I know. And you kind of hit, <laughs> I mean, the way I feel about it, I just, I use tone. I mean, I use an e-collar from as soon as, as soon as I see they have the mental capacity to, to learn something, I kind of start working with them. Like you use, what was the phrase? Trick or treat training. That's how I started. Yeah. Trick or treat. Like training. just giving them rewards just, when yeah, they come in. Yeah, just giving them food-based reward. Typically, mm-hmm. they're, typically they're kibble. Yeah. And that's yeah. kind of how I start them. And then I moved to using an e-collar with tone on the recall with treats. Treat. And then eventually it goes to just verbal. And then your tone is a reminder. And then reel them in. And then after that, it's like, it's a three-step process. You get your name called, you get a tone. And if you don't listen, then you get stim as reinforcement. Sure. But I've got a, I mean, now we've got a dog yard fenced off. So, I mean, it's all confined. They're not going to get away. So it's, I've actually got a pup right now that's been a real challenge. I mean, <laughs> the first uh, first trip to the woods was a little dicey. Like, I I didn't know if I was going to get him to come back to me. I shouldn't have even taken him yet. But we've been doing a lot of work, and I've seen some big improvements in him now. Yeah. But, yeah, kind of the same life Buddy's using. You know, one of the things that we probably should talk, when I just think about Cole's situation with a four-month-old blue tick, you know, I also um, would just be cautious to not over train the recall on the dog. Meaning I see a lot of people who the dog goes out and if he's, if he's out wandering around and sniffing things and doing different things, yeah, you definitely want him to, to come to you when you tell him to come to you. You know what I mean? Like I, I get the idea of having a handle and I expect a handle. Um, the flip side of that is, is if you take every opportunity and don't let that dog wander off and, and go find this brush and sniff this, you know what I mean? This road over here and go explore. Um, that should be part of, you know, his, his training regimen. You know, if he's taking them out and letting the dog go somewhere, sometimes you gotta, you gotta chill out a little bit and let the dog have the opportunity to go search around at that age, you know, yeah, just have them come Absolutely. back when you call, but not, I think a lot of guys, myself included, when you were so adamant about having them right there, they don't hunt near as wide. They don't look, no, I mean, don't. you make right. loses in a race. Even I've seen it like those dogs just never got out real far. I, I, yeah. I made this mistake with one of my first two or three hounds. I treated them too much like a bird dog where I was doing too much leash work and too much check cord work. And I, and those yeah. dogs w- would never really cast. They were always within a yeah. hundred yards of me, just like a bird dog. So, yeah, I mean, I think at four months, if you're doing this for 10 or 15 minutes, that's a lot. That's a long time. Like this is a 10 minute drill, max, put it away and then go for a walk, you know, yeah. like, and you're not doing yeah. this every day, four times a day, you're doing this a little bit, laying the foundation and you're still, more importantly is just put the dang cord on him. Get a, if you're if you're really nervous, just put a piece of twenty foot paracord on him and go for a walk. And then step on the paracord when you need to and throw in a couple recalls, maybe three or four recalls and go home. You don't yeah. don't overdo it. Like yeah, if you overdo it, you're gonna create a dog that doesn't even hunt. And I did that. And yeah. that sucked. Don't do that. <laughs> yeah, and you gotta you gotta make sure because it's easy to get in this mindset and like, you know, I, I just watch my kids or whatever. It's like you know, say, come here or whatever it is, you know, whatever dog it is, they want to control it. Come here, come here, come here. And so the dog learns 
oh, every time I get, you know, that far away, they want me right. to come over there. With a hound, I specifically am like, just let the dog go play. Go let the dog do whatever. And and having a collar on it and a tracking collar at the same time yep. is going to be key to being like, okay, for five, ten minutes, let the dog choose its path. It's searching around. It's It's doing that. And then – you know, you got to have your foundations. The dog's got to know what you want it to do. And then you say, come here. You know what I mean? And then that dog comes to you and you got to make sure that dog comes to you and then let it go again or change directions or go a different place and be like, ah, we're going to go over this way. So the dog kind of hunts with you or whatever. Um, But I just see so many people sometimes uh, that if they get in that mindset of I'm going to train, come here. And man, they want to use that command. Every, you know, they want to use that command every mm-hmm. forty seconds. It's like, come here, and they the dog comes. It you know, but it's like, man, you, you're if you want that dog to hunt, come here is a strong part of the 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 training process. But if you condense it too much, that's all the dog yeah. learns. You know what I mean? And you can you can over teach come here to where you're not teaching, you know go hunt at the same time. And, and as that dog gets older, it's like, man, you over taught come here to the point where you, the dog kind of took that as something. You mean different. stay within so. this range more than a come when I listen. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I, I just see a lot of you new people. It's really easy for people to do is like, Oh, we're going to work on, you know, the only thing you can do with this puppy, you got this brand new puppy and you're like, Oh man, I want to play with it. I want to do things. And so it's like, the only thing it knows is come here. So you're just like, come here, watch this, sit, stay, come here, sit, stay, come here. And you just right. over and over and over again. It's like, man, that you, um, sometimes you just got to chill out and be like, Hey, this is a long process. This is a nine month <laughs> process. Um, I don't need, you know, off leash, work to happen in the first day or this first second day or whatever make that process a three week process you know you go out every day or every other day and plan on by the end of three weeks you've you've done so many times of working on recall um you know so at least for a hound you know i mean that's one thing i was talking to yuri um was was like hounds are so different the exposure we got to get them to you know i mean the things we got to expose them to it takes a lot of time. Yeah. But you can't just set up that scenario with a hound. Like, I think, Jared, you said if you can find a way to put a hound dog on a thousand lions in a month or a hundred lions in a month. Oh, yeah. A hundred lions in a month would be awesome, you, wouldn't it? For bird dogs, yeah. you can do that, you know? Yeah, you can. Yeah. Yeah, you can. But laying that laying When you that start hunting again, Jared. Again, I think we're um, somebody that's a little less experienced that dog starts breaking that 50, 60, a hundred yard mark and they just get anxious. And so they start saying, Hey, get back yeah. here, get back here. And that hacking actually just reels the dog in. And then they don't ever learn to hunt more than a hundred yards away from you. Cause they're just like, well, if I go out any further. I'm just going to get reeled back in. So it's conditioned. Yeah, make sure you balance yeah. it, balance it. Yeah. Yeah. Like I said, I, I think, um, and I think a collar, as soon as you can get a collar on them, as soon as they're safe to carry a collar, it's going to take a lot, a lot of anxiety out of Absolutely. And if you, if you own a hound, situation. I don't know how you can not own a tracking collar in today's world. There's just too, yeah. there's just too much going on. There's, you think, you, know, you think I want to go back sometime. I mean, there's some ATV guy coming <laughs> up the road or some guy fly fishing some river. I had a dog picked up the other day and I was like, I was in between, I was in this big roadless area. There was one ATV trail. 
dog so happened to get picked up. And next thing I know, he's 20 miles north of me. Oh, and I'm like, crap. So I go down around. I try to get back there. And that guy turns around the ATV and comes back. Oh. So I spent, I spent <laughs> just ping-ponging. Just chasing, chasing this guy on with my dog in an ATV. And I was like, oh, for Pete's sake, just leave my – just anyway. Just leave yeah, him there. So, just leave him there. But, hey, peace of mind, you know. I just spent three days looking for that guy. I knew where he was the whole time. I just couldn't catch up to him. Sure. They'd buzz this way, <laughs> and then they'd buzz back the other way. But yeah, you ever have a man bring down, buddy? Are you talking? No, no, I'm serious. I gotta. Well, you were at that Prineville. They were talking about me missing the whole field trial because oh, I, I totally forgot that. I just focused in on the elk part, not the. Somebody picking the dog up and chasing him around. It's like kicking me in the nuts twice, Jason. Thank you. Sorry, I didn't mean to. Just back that up. Oh, man, both sides. That's an inappropriate comment. Okay, Lord, I apologize. Oh, feed the starving pig. We, some new we had a field trial in, in Prineville we went to this years ago and uh, on the bear race. And I think all the dogs, a big old chunk of them split off. I was probably leading the race with a bunch of an elk herd. And, uh, so uh, none, hardly any of the dogs came through on the race. You know, none of the, the came through the finish line. And that was the first race of the day. Like we had the bear race. We, they, back then they ran the bear race Saturday morning. And then you had the coon trials the rest of the day, you know, where you did all your division stuff and all that. Well, the bear race took all the dogs <laughs> away from the camp. Entries. Like there was no, so they're like, okay, the division one. Well, or, you know I mean? The first semifinals and like, there's two dogs there that didn't get put on the bear race and, and it was just a complete mess. No shit from like eight. And I got that dog back and I got back to camp like 1030 that night. Cool. Cause I had to drive like 40 miles into Maupin or not Maupin. Um, Madras somebody picked to it pick up. up one of my dogs. Yeah. So somebody picked up my dog and took it all the way into town and, of course, you have, you know, it's like you, you're trying to drive around mountains to get, you know, when they, when the dogs go cross country, right. you know, sometimes the tactical advantage is not just like a straight line. You're not like a helicopter. You just right. go, you know, they're a mile that way, but it's like, you got to go 10 miles up this drainage and come up this drain. By the time you get there, they're gone. And, and, uh, this was before, this was probably before Gar Garmin, um, yeah, I think it was before GPSs and that was a common thing back then. Madras. I know when we were not running Garmin's, it's like you'd spend two days looking for a dog. You know, you can't find a beep all of a sudden and go back to town and hit cell service. And guess what? Somebody's had your dog since Friday night. But yeah. the Garmin's chasing them down. Did you catch the guy with your dog or like, did you head on with him, meet up with him somewhere, Jared? Yeah, I finally met up with him on a trail, but it just took me a long time to catch up, you know. And he's just looking for you. He's just running up down the road trying well, to figure I th out. I think initially they were like, oh, we'll just pick him up and take him to our cabin. Mm -hmm. But they got to the cabin. And it was like, right. oh, that's a hunting dog. Some guy's probably looking for it. Let's take it so back. So they buzzed back out. To the, <laughs> and by the time I got to their cat, almost to their cabin, the, the dog, I picked up the signal again. And they're eight miles the other way, you know. So it was like, crap, <laughs> now you come back. Anyway, I, uh, it's, but yeah, I, th I think, yeah. man, I just, it's so nice having the technology that we have. The best look. It'll save it'll save you in gas and time more than more than you'll ever spend. That's the truth. That was the selling point for me on those alphas when they came out. 
I'm like, it'll it'll pay for itself in fuel. Or the Astro, I guess, when I got my first one. Astro. He said it'll pay for itself in fuel the first season that you're not chasing back bounces and, you know, telemetry stuff. But the look on someone's face when you run them down when they have a dog <laughs> on the road is, like, classic. We had a day that this dog just disappeared, you know, went down this road, and all of a sudden he's out of service, so... I'm like crap, we can't even go out this way. We got to go that way if we're going to head them off, or we'll never catch up. And this poor old couple, I come flying around the corner. I'm probably doing 65 miles an hour because that was the speed limit. Um, <laughs> and pull up next to him and motion for him to pull over. And they're like, "What is this crazy guy doing?" If I they get pulled over, I'm like, <laughs> "Hey." Uh, you have something that belongs to us and we need to get it back from you. He said, well, we don't have anything. I said, really? There's a, a plot dog sitting in the back of your, your car there that belongs to our group. How did you know that? And I mean, then the conversation changed, but the look of sheer terror on their face, <laughs> some bearded dude goes rolling up doing crazy, up. stupid miles an hour and <laughs> pull it on over. But without Garmin, man, that wasn't possible. Yeah. Yeah. Did you hunt a lot before Jared? You hunt much with before Garmin? No, not much. The I, they did have system. the Astro when I first started. Yeah. That was yeah, I sometimes I always um I was talking to Don. I was like, man, we need to do a podcast of the, the before Garmin days. Cause everybody that, that hunts now with a Garmin, you know, yeah. That it was like, oh, it was a whole different game like they get mad when you know like when the garmin bleeps out for 10 seconds 30 seconds or you know a couple minutes or even an hour you know i mean it's not tracking or something <laughs> and you know in fairness you know i mean like it, it sucks i'm not saying it, it it's not right or whatever but before garmin we didn't even pull the tracking boxes right? out you know what i mean like, to do by the time you pulled yeah it was like man the tracking box stayed behind your seat in your truck and you're like, well, shit, I don't know where they went. Let me, let me go grab the box. You know, after an hour, you know, let me yep. drive here, listen, drive here, there. And it's like, well, after an hour, like, let me go see if I can grab that box. And you're like, oh, shit. And what was caller? You know, what was copper's number? Okay. That was like, you know, zero fifty five, And, you know, you're like listening to the scratch and you're like, okay, yeah, she is. And, and, uh, oh, I think she's over, you know, back then, I mean, you, you totally were like, gosh, she's three miles away that way. And now with a Garmin, you're like, you're 750 <laughs> yards over a little drop, probably. You yeah. know what I mean? Like the the distances you made up in your head, you know, listen to that beep, you know, it'd be like, shit, that beep is, I mean, the, it, like the beep was just almost gone. You're like, oh, barely getting a ping. It's gone. And you're just like, dude, she's like gone. And like I said, she probably wasn't very far, you know, just yeah. over a little bluff there and, and right off a of rock hill. And, but it, it's, it's insane the uh i mean we were, i was i was joking with dawn like back we were hunting before there was like there wasn't even count you know you had these three thousand hour you know 60 whatever there was the, the hour batteries i don't know mine were always re replaceable uh three thousand uh wildlife you know three thousand hour wildlife collar so i put a battery in every two years or whatever 
But we was joking back then. It's like, shit, you didn't have cell phones that had calculators back then. You're trying to figure out how to calculate 3,000 hours, you know, over days. And it's like, well, I, shit, you know, nowadays, you know, these, these yeah, kids right. got iPhones and shit. And like, you can, you got a calculator in your pocket. Back then, we didn't even have a calculator. We were like, yeah, I, I think that collar is about, you know, it's got to be about half. We are totally guessing half the time you pull out the collar. It's been 10 years. You know, the collar's dead. <laughs> you it's like, yeah, you've been hunting with a dead collar for <laughs> half a season because you never took your your box out you know by the time you did try to track it you know, there's no beat because you either forgot to pull the magnet and or the collar was dead, and you had so. to be there anyway you had was, to be there to understand what it was like before i i think we should do a garmin i think i think guys should do a garmin here's challenge. the challenge <laughs> like the garmin appreciation challenge or gps appreciation challenge because we had doctor we don't want to just, just a Garmin. Garmin's most of the big game world is Garmin, but, but Dogger's got a lot of coon hunt stuff. But a guy, here's what a guy should do for the challenge: you should take, uh, by all means, for the safety of the dog, you got to put that GPS collar on. But then you have to hand the handheld to your buddy, and you got to make a pact that you will not use it unless it's, it's as soon as you tap out, you're done. Like yeah. You, you've lost the challenge <laughs> and then you got to hunt without, without using any GPS system, any tracking system, period, and do it like the old days. I think that would That'd be cool. Like there's no, nothing stopping you, man. Jason. Oh, we usually throw ours on the seat. It's just <laughs> sitting there, but yeah, but you still, I bet you grab that thing a couple oh, yeah. times a day or a couple times a hunt. For, um, I always thought it'd be good to just, if you really want to, the full experience, if you want to merge yourself in the system, you know, what, what that, how much we're relying on some of this stuff. And I don't say relying on it to be successful, but for our anxiety, it's like, I bet you it's like smoking a cigarette. You know what I mean? Like a smoker is like, son of a bitch, I just want that damn thing. Yeah. No. Oh. Cause I did it. Um, I had three, I had four callers up hunting. I was on snowmobile three of them failed i couldn't get two of them wouldn't blink and uh and i ended up putting the collar on i picked the one dog i was like i hope i get that dog back and so i put the, the one collar on and then i i actually turned loose on the cat and i ran it for about you know an hour and a half two hours until it started petering out you know it was some drip in the snow and and then the dog started falling apart like not staying together and that's when I, I can tell you that's when my anxiety came back and I was like, okay, I'm out. I'm done. It was, it was too much for me. Yeah. I mean, the safety is the biggest thing about it. Like, like you said, it's an anxiety or anxiety calmer for sure. Yeah. We should do that though. We should figure out how to like, we should make it a, a GPS appreciation hunt somehow. Don't do it where I live. Like you you'd be hiking for hours and hours and hours. <laughs> you'd be hiking up to the top of the mountain to try to hear where they're at. And by the time you got there, you'd it's, be it's, like, I don't I can't even hear them. And I don't <laughs> it's only the guys that complain about it though. You know what I mean? Like the ones that, that complain about the, those are the ones that I want to be like, okay, here's the, here's the course. Here's you know, the course. Like, yeah. yeah you, you know, you just get, sometimes it's like, man, I think sometimes we forget how good we have it. Oh, no doubt. And even with the, um, yeah, and I sound like I'm, I'm, you know, protected garment. Garment pisses me off sometimes on some things that they do, and I'm like, ah, oh, dang it, I, why are you doing it this right. way? But, um, 
a lot of times I'm like, yeah, there, there's times that they, they, they deserve. Oh, I mean, I, they, they deserve they all the pushback. Well. <laughs> you know, there's some situations that I'm like the alpha, two, the 200 charging port, push back all you want on Garmin, man, kick them die. They're down. I, I'm, I'm, I got no love for some of the decisions they make, but then other times I'm like, ah, you know what I mean? We're holding them to a higher standard than, than, than we used to hold other, other tracking systems too. So yeah, it was, it was good. <laughs> Well, we're running at 50 minutes. You got anything else, no, Jared? I think we got that one squared. When do you get back out in the woods? Um, we're Either shut spring, down until July 5th for bears. We'll be able to pursue July 5th for bear. We ran a line the other day, but so dang hot. By by 11 right. o'clock, it was 80, 80 plus degrees, and it was like, yeah, no, we're done. Yeah. So you Dogs, just right. shift to bird work during the summer then for the most part? Yeah, here in in July we'll throw up our bird dog hound dog camp and go up to ten thousand feet and run bears every morning and train bird dogs the rest of the day. Works out really nice because we take take advantage of those at that at that ten thousand eleven thousand feet. You know we're seventy degrees. Oh nice! So it's it's really nice. Fifty degree mornings and seventy degree days. We can train all day long. Heck yeah. It's a lot. lot. It's a lot of fun. My kids go up. We, my whole family goes up and we take the camp trailer up and we stake out like 30 dogs and it's a blast. Do you have a trailer or what? How do you bring them? I dogs. I've got a, yeah, trailer and truck and yeah, we've got a pull behind trailer. You make multiple trips or you got built. Yeah, but I mean, for the camp trailer, you got to go two separate trips trips, or yeah take the camp trailer up one day and then the wife pulls up the utv and i pull up the dogs and go again it's a lot of fun though Hmm. sounds sounds like it. that's my favorite thing to do with young dogs with like hounds young hounds because if they do get thrown out of a race it's like no big deal you know from camp you can usually pick up a signal on them and let them work their way out and let them work things out and that's a real good way to let them learn kind of back to what we were talking about, yeah. you know, giving them an opportunity to start a race, but maybe they get thrown out and they got to backtrack their way out and it takes them two hours to do it. No big panic, you know, cause you're right there close. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. You can just kind of chill out and keep yep. an eye on them. Super, super convenient. Heck yeah. So that's what we got coming up. Right on. Yeah. I, uh, I go tomorrow. I'm going to go, me and Bradley are going to go watch the Pikes Peak Hill climb. So we take off tomorrow. And, uh, Ken Locke was supposed to race, race up it, but he blew his motor up. So, so the one, one Bradley wanted to go watch is going to be able to race up it, but we'll see. But we're going to go, we'll go stake out at 10 or 11,000 feet to watch that That'd race cool. all day. I'll see if, uh, <laughs> see if I get the altitude what sickness. Is it, what is the know. race called? It's called the Pikes Peak Hill Climb. Gotcha. So they race uh, race cars all the way up this mountain. It's 14,000 foot. Sweet. And uh, it used to be you know, gravel and, and shit, but um, yeah, they've, a couple of people has gone off the edge. And, and it's, a, it's a big deal. Kind of, you're dancing, you're, you're dancing, you're playing with a little bit of fire racing up the side oh, of the wow. mountain. You know, it's not like it's a, a racetrack. You know, you go over the edge and it could be a long Switch race. Pretty gnarly. You can find it all on YouTube. 
it's pretty I'll cool have to race. Check that out. Yeah, that's not one of those yeah. where they're like digging straight up the hill and they got to try and make it up the top. Then no, it's a mountain. It's like fourteen oh, miles. It's a, an actual course. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't. I think it's fourteen miles. I don't know what it is, but yeah, it's a it's a road that you can drive all the way to the top of, of this peak. It's, and I don't know if it's the. Yeah, I was born in Colorado Springs, so that mountain was always right there but yeah if it's the one of the tallest peaks in the lower 48 or something like that's got some claim to fame you know but you could drive a car all the way to the top of it and there's a little train there but yeah they you basically rate they wouldn't let this year is the first year they won't let motorcycles race up it because they've had four four people die racing motorcycles they they just don't make the turn so they they announced that they're no longer going to let motorcycles race up it (laughs) and this Uh, is in colorado yeah, Colorado so Springs. So are you flying out there? Yeah, cool. yeah, we'll go. Me and me and my boy will fly out there tomorrow morning. And I've told him for a, a couple of years we've been wanting to try and go. And this year it kind of worked out. And I went, so Ken Block was supposed to race up it. So I thought, oh, that'd be fun. We'll watch. You know, he, my, he ever, I don't know if you ever, he's out of there, Utah somewhere. I think he has some place. Hoonigan. He's got that four wheel drive Mustang. Huh. Like, I don't, look up, uh, Oh man, what do they call that damn Mustang? The uh damn it, I can't think of the name. The Hoonigan, maybe is what it's called. Just YouTube Hoonigan Mustang and watch uh watch him race that thing. It's a four wheel drive. It's cool Mustang. It's like he's drifting shit. It's it's totally a, a you know, he, he, you can tell he drives pretty pretty intensively <laughs> on his drifting and shit, but so he'd be fun to watch race up the mountain. Awesome. Yeah. Other than that, we'll go to uh, go do some family stuff. And then hopefully I'll uh, start getting the dogs back in shape and I'll be ready to start. I'm, I want to hunt this year. Like, like I need more, hunt, more hunting this year than, than last year. So. Well, guys, Jason, yeah. you got no, anything else? That was it. That all tied in oh, pretty hit good. Hit all our check marks. We only got all one. Right. One F bomb to edit out on this one, so we're good. <laughs> we should make some more. Jared, you got any mess up stories you want to tell us? We we haven't done a train wreck for a little mm. while. When's my last train wreck? Jared's just been so having I was, I was epic hunts about lately. That's it. Man, I knock on wood, I've had some great hunts. I can't complain. Oh, I'm yeah. trying to think of the last I don't know. I can't think of the last train wreck. Yeah, we'll we just we'll just have to go with Sadie's train wreck of it was like a little video game with her. She was running through that. It was like a course you set up, except the course cost you $25 a a bird. Yeah. And, uh, boy, she ran through that. It was, and it was like almost Sonic. like a video game. You're, you're sitting <laughs> there like duck hunt. And it was like duck hunt. It was like, you almost, you heard a little cha-ching every time she flushed the bird up. It was like, cha-ching, cha-ching. And she'd flush three or four of them at a time. You know what I mean? She'd just run. Right. Just, Boy, I'm gonna be like ching, 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 and I'm like, holy, sh- slow down! You know what I mean? And I was like, damn it, I can't afford to go at this rate, I wish, Sadie. Yeah, I could remember so, the guy's name. We have a customer. I got talking to him one day, and he does all the pigeon trapping for every, like Walmart, like oh, endless yeah, supply yeah. of training material. So if he listens to this, I am really sorry. I don't remember the name. It's been probably three years since he said that, but there you go. You get a whole truckload and train right there at the house. Man, we use a little cardboarded hmm. method with those wild caught pigeons, and they're awesome because 
they don't want to be anywhere near you. <laughs> so if you if you break that twenty foot bubble or whatever, they just pop up like a wild bird. See ya. You got a little piece of cardboard tied to them. They can fly thirty to fifty yards and land again. And when you got young dogs, you know, four month old puppies that you're just trying to get them exposed to birds, that's a great way to. You just like tether it to them. Oh yeah. Uh huh. Yep. Yeah. That's what I should have done in the beginning, but no, I I chose the expensive way. That clutch and let her rip. Hey, it works. You did well. Yeah. No kidding. She's that doesn't sound like much of a train wreck, dude. I mean, if if you uh, if you ended. It was just expensive. Yeah, it was expensive. It was going the long way. It was going the long way around. More than others in life. I don't know. That's I tell you what, though, expensive than buying like three to five hundred birds and doing it the right way. Yeah, the uh, the one thing I can tell you though, I mean, and I don't know what it was. You know, maybe because we wasted so many birds and I was counting money. (laughs) You know what I mean? I was like, "Son of a bitch, this is an expensive weekend." You know, (laughs) got the kids there. I mean, you couldn't find shotgun shells. So I, I mean, I. Long story short, he had a couple of cases of shotgun shells, so I'm like, I better buy these now, you know, because I couldn't find some of this stuff anyway. So I was buying cases of shotgun shells at the same right. time. So, so it wasn't just the birds. I mean, the whole weekend was turning out to be Don't more expensive. Don't you have some than... wild birds up there though and working? Yeah, yeah. You'll yeah. Get... Now, now yeah, she knows I mean, what she's sure doing. You now you can go hunt wild pheasants. Yeah. See, that was the problem. Is is I can see why going to a a training facility would be helpful. Because I'd be pissed if I walked, you know what I mean, three, four miles, and all of a sudden, okay, well, let's go find another right. one. You know what I mean? I don't know how long it takes you to find a wild, wild birds, bird, yeah. but um, in our mile hike, when we have 10 pheasants planted right. in there, um, you know what I mean? The, the best part about that was, again, you could, I could get her on positive. Mm-hmm quickly and it's probably the only thing that saved my ass you know what i mean to be honest with you if it would have been like i had two or three opportunities and i would have blown all three of those yeah. in in that first i mean the first trip was was rough but because we can come back that afternoon and just do right. it again but just fine-tune it and, and so we were able to hammer and i think we went through 30 or 40 right. birds over the weekend yeah. and that many touch points you know so quickly you know it, and it didn't help that it was my kids were really enjoying the heck out of it. So I was like, well, yep. you know, we, we did it. But but being able to recover was probably the only thing that saved my ass. Because if I had to try and do that on live birds, you'd have got maybe, I don't know. I've never hunted live birds. Yeah. You know, I've hunted some, some of the quail. But man, it's hard to get them on them. And then if they just blow them out, it's like, well. <laughs> that may be the, well, if you, the opportunity right. you yeah. had for three hours and the one bird gets up and you were by that time you were already asleep you weren't paying attention so <laughs> you know you're figuring yeah. your day's blown yeah 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 so i'm interested to see what happens in september when i go back if you know um how much she retains yep she will yeah yeah if she if she if she picks it up quicker which i imagine she'll pick she it up will. quicker but um we'll see cool so, who knows all right, Jerry. We'll do this again soon. Yeah.